Welcome to the Coaching Project Podcast. I'm TJ Manisterski. You are invited to join the Coaching Project for free. Click the link in the show notes and you will receive a monthly email with resources to create practice plans that win and learn to inspire today's athlete. My name is Dr. Gary Bowman. I spent my entire career with one foot in the gym and one foot in the clinic. For more information, click the link and follow along. Join our journey to coaching mastery. Let's keep getting better together. Morning, TJ. Good morning, Gary. It's a nice sunny day here in the Southwest. Happy to be on the, the pod with you today. And I'm taking over. So I'm running the show. You ready? <laughs> oh, I'm ready for the ride. Let's do it. <laughs> so I would like to break down a blog you wrote a while ago called There Is an I in Team. Now, I've known you for a long time. I know you're not just a standard contrarian to get clickbait for the newsletter. I think this is obviously a concept that you truly believe in. Yes, it's a play on words, um, but I think it's a valuable play. Tell me a little bit more or tell us a little bit more about where this play on words and this concept kind of came from. Well, it came from a book I read that's called There Is an I in Team by Mark Durand. And it, it talks about a lot of different things. And, and one of them that stands out to me is the idea of competition and just recognizing that within a team structure, there is internal competition that's going on within that team, right? So like a hockey team that we're most familiar with, it's like, you know, your guys out of the lineup are trying, they want to get in the lineup, which means they've got to beat somebody else who's a teammate to get in there. And then once you're in the lineup, you know, you're trying to get on the penalty kill. And then when you're on the penalty kill, you want to be on the power play. And then, so it's never ending, right? There's always these internal struggles. And so there's a danger when we start talking about harmony and, uh, you know, within a group that, and it's all about the team that if just because you're avoiding the idea that there is this internal competition doesn't mean it goes away. It just means it goes underground and then can manifest as, uh, you know, deceitful behavior, right? Undermining each other, you know, things of that nature. So that's where it came from. And I think it implies some really interesting things regarding social cohesion versus task cohesion, uh, harmony, and some of the, the pitfalls potentially of a harmonious group. And, uh, but then it also goes into more of my philosophy of the fact that we are coaching a team, but we have to make allowance for the fact that we are, the team is comprised of individuals, right? Everybody has their own unique uh, abilities, backgrounds, histories, uh, skill sets, right? And um, what, when we, if we want to be holistic in the way that we coach and develop our people, then we have to be okay with the fact that, um, that we have to treat our, our people that way too. So there is an individual element within inside the team. It sounds a lot like a blanket term of culture, right? Like you're trying to create this culture within your player that then contributes to the larger good of the team. And I think it seems to be where you're just recognizing that inner drive of each individual and trying to make sure that, that that effort they're putting forth is still recognized as effort towards the greater good. 
what are some warning signs that you pick up on that might give you an indication that this is going underground to, to use your term? Well, listen, Gary, we played college hockey together. We've been around teams at different levels. Uh, I just think it's always there. I think that competition is always there. doesn't mean you're not friends and you have, you know, good time together or whatever, but we just have to be realistic that there is this competition. So it's about framing the culture around what we're here to do and recognizing almost like, uh, normalizing the team aspect of it and and understanding that listen your position is challenged weekly in team sport it's just the way it is and there was a lot of talk about rowing in that book i i read and uh you know they have this cool um idea that or, or model that they that they'll filter decisions through which is does it make the boat go faster so should we do this well, I don't know. Will it make the boat go faster? You know, switching seats. Like there's, I don't know a lot about rowing, but I know there's some seats are a little bit more uh, prestigious than others, I guess, in the boat. And um, not everybody can be the quarterback of football team, right? So who's going to be the quarterback? Well, it's, is it going to make the boat go faster? Should we do this in practice or, or, or whatever, right? So it's a cool phrase that I've used in hockey but that's but that's what we're after like we have to frame our culture around what's the point of culture why why do we have why do we care about so much about creating a, a team culture why well the reason is so that we can drive the behaviors that we want to produce the outcomes that we really want right the culture is not to make you feel good i would like you to feel good that's great but what i want what i need you to do is to perform the behaviors that our team requires to be successful and I do believe it's possible to achieve and go after team performance at the same time, developing individuals. What you're a very intentional coach, intentional person. I would assume there's moments throughout the season where you try to create these cultural connections. Uh, are there any things, uh, team activities, things that you try to, to cultivate to, to maximize this? cohesiveness amidst the competition for sure i think you have to always be on the lookout for opportunities like there's things you can plan right like a team building activity or uh you know that kind of idea but it's about weaving themes throughout your program right the things that might go up on the wall for instance you know what are they reinforcing uh a term that i recently came across uh is from Owen Eastwood. I believe his first name's Owen. Anyway, he talks about waka papa. Waka papa is a, a Polynesian term that talks of, it's about belonging. It's a belonging uh, cue. So like what it, what it means essentially is that we are all as individuals part of this chain of people that traces back to our origin. And we're all connected to the person that came before us. And we're connected to the person that came after us. Right. So when the sun is on us, which means when it's your turn, you're you're the show, it's showtime for you. You're alive. The sun is shining on you. Your responsibility is to uphold the traditions, the stories, the values and everything of all those people in your chain before you. And keep it alive. 
but then at the same time leave the situation better for the people that are coming after you on that chain of people so as in as as humans we can think about that in our families uh, but we can also think about that in our teams and in collegiate it's a it, it's a lot easier i think to to do that potentially than like professional Mm -hmm. um but but we can understand that as a as a collegiate hockey team our responsibility we're connected to all those guys and those teams that came before us and we while we're here it's our job to hold hold it down so to speak and then make it better leave the wood pile higher you know i love that term and we like for, for the next generation the next group right so understanding that's our responsibility like the people this program the brock badgers that that we're a part of right now I'm the coach. We have players. The sun is shining on us right now, but the program was around before us and it's going to be around after us. We're just here right now. So our responsibility is, is to the program. How did you, how did your career progress to kind of get you to this point of appreciating that, that complexity within team sport. I mean, I would appreciate you had some, some mentors, you've read some good books, but let's talk about maybe, uh, if you will, maybe some of those losses that maybe you had or, or those rough days, you know, maybe some of those, those bumps in the road that helped you progress to this particular perspective of your position within, you know, a, a long-standing organization like Brock, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy. Well, I'm so thankful. I had a bad season. Uh, well, first of all, I'm very fortunate to have. So I've been a head coach, I think, 10 years as a head coach uh, in collegiate sport. And I, I want to say one of those seasons, one of those seasons, maybe two, were, were, would be like uh, below 500. So like losing seasons. But one of them was in particular tough to deal with because we went into that season with really high hopes and this was at Curry college. And we had, we had, I had gone in there as a really young head coach. We had made some really good progress in, in over three years and we were, everybody was so excited. And we thought this year four, man, we're going to be great. And we missed the playoffs. It was dreadful. I mean, it was, it was a really difficult year, but I learned so much in that season uh, just about uh, people and uh think just willing perseverance and and a growth mindset and and also communication you know and and how to get people uh to we'll go back to rowing you know get everybody's oars in the water at the same time and and pull together so you learn a lot through that struggle uh you know in those sleepless nights sure and i it, it would sound as if that kind of you know, maybe opened your eyes a little bit to recognizing that individual kind of contribution to the the team's success, right? It would seem as if maybe that, um, again, don't let me put words in your mouth, but, you know, there is this I in team concept means that you recognize that those individuals need to be managed maybe slightly differently. I, I remember you saying you had players from all over the world, right? I mean, culturally unique atmosphere, on top of the fact that you played in a competitive, you know, uh, environment uh, in your league. So uh, it would seem like those, those things kind of shaped your approach to culture creation. And it, I guess, unfortunately takes a little bit of a kick in the pants sometimes to, to take a hard look in the mirror and, and look into yourself and how you might have a, a more positive impact culturally across the team. 
because the head coach can get really wrapped up in X's and O's, I would assume. Totally. I think people need to be inspired, right? Not managed. And we need to create an environment of motivation for them. And this is where dealing with them on a personal level is so important, right? For one, you want to develop trust and you want to get to know your people and, and you want to care about them authentically and, and they need to feel that, right? And uh, I think players want to play for a coach who they feel has their best interests in mind and and wants to help them, but also has the the competence, like the skill to actually help them too as a coach. Like they need to feel like their coach at least knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing, right? Like you, that's a that's a fundamental requirement of a leader. Like you, you have to have some skill in what you do. That and I think the tr- the the trust. And like I know there's that line, like uh, no, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, well, I think they they need both, right? Uh, they need to know that that you can do both. And I think it's just for me, I've really gravitated toward uh, a holistic nature. Of things and and I'm not a spiritual person as far as you know religion, but I've learned over the years that I'm a spiritual person uh, in general, and I find inspiration in in things you know like nature or or doing different things. And I whether it was in high school playing you know football and hockey at the same time, like I thought that was cool. That inspired me to do to do multiple things, and and I want to treat people like you got to find like what inspires them uh and for some of them they'll love that waka papa term right and they'll they'll buy buy right into that but then a third of your room is going to think might think well this is stupid what does this have to do with i'm here to play hockey right so you have to that's okay too that's okay uh but you you need to know that right you need to get to that individual uh because if they feel like you can be yourself within the team environment, I just think that's when you get the best out of them. Absolutely. No matter what industry, I think, you know, uh, people who are comfortable can really kind of, you know, push it. What's uh, what's a tip you would give uh, a young coach who recognizes the need to improve the culture of their organization? What are some starting steps? I mean, I, I, I know, you know, I, I kind of have a, a performance pyramid type concept I use. Is there Anything you apply to that, like some some basics of coaching that need to be mastered around this particular topic? First one that comes to mind is getting comfortable, including the players in the conversation. Now, certainly there's there's decisions that the coach needs to make and and there may be non-negotiables, we'll call them, that's really important to the coach. And that's fine. Um, including the players in the conversation about culture, I think can be really helpful. Asking them, having group work or group exercises or one-on-one conversations or find the way that works for you, but to solicit uh, feedback from the players so that they have a voice and they're empowered in the direction of the team. And and like this conversation on values and culture, uh, I think values can shift. And they shift with every team. So, like, we've got 20-something players. We're not all going to be in perfect alignment on the values. And if I just choose three or four values and we put them up on the wall, and I've just said, okay, guys, here it is. Here's who we are, uh, without talking to them and finding out who they are, 
it's just going to be garbage on the wall. Like they're not even going to look at it. It's not going to mean anything to them. But if they have a hand in, in crafting what this, what this means to be a Brock Badger in our case, they're invested in that. They own that. They want to live up to that. Uh, otherwise, it's just, you know, something on the wall. It's crucial. That's probably a, a, a difficult phase as a, as a young coach to let go of some of that I guess I'll call it the illusion of control, right? Like your players are going to deliver the outcome and you want to drive that bus as a head coach. But is there a sense that, that you're giving up control there initially when you try to, to bring in those cooperative conversations? Is that kind of something you have to resist as a, as a coach, that natural feeling there? You got to do a little bit and then you, you build up a tolerance. You do a little bit more, you do a little bit more, but then what you find as soon as you do it, it's like, Wow like the players respond to it and you give up a little control and you give it to them and they hit a home run. You're like, Holy cow. They like, if, if standards are another one, like if you ask players what they're sta- like to help create standards, they're going to come back with standards probably a lot stronger than the ones you would have gave them. So you, you've got to, I guess, dip your foot in the first time and, and find some ways to, to get comfortable or, or just take a leap of faith and start doing it, but you're going to find quickly how useful it is. And then it's like, okay, we've decided, we've decided what our standard is or what our values are, and we've done it together. So what happens when we don't live up to that? You know, what's acceptable? Uh, how do we handle it? Right. And then, so then when it happens and then you as the coach follow through, that's where the accountability is. You follow through on what was already previously established and everybody knows we're on, okay well that happened and we so then this happens then we move, we, we kind of move on i think that that's that's a big a big part of it and i know like there's a quote bill beanie coached at middlebury uh back in our day and before our day and won <laughs> some ridiculous number of national championships uh he spoke and I heard him talk and he said to, to get control, you have to give up control. So what's funny is the more you do this, the more you give up, you actually end up getting more control of your group. That's an interesting concept. Um, and we've heard that before, right? Decentralized command. When we were doing our, our Jocko series, you know, that was a, a crucial tenet in, in leadership was to prepare in his case, his soldiers with the ability to make, decisions on their own that support the the main goal and back to your to your blog I you know that's what you're creating you're, you're recognizing the individual recognizing that they are more than just a hockey player there's a, a whole human in there that needs to be managed but at the same time um, you need to bend them to your will a little bit right like you are the coach so I think that that leads to to my next question which I'm very interested to hear is how do you bring that full circle? How do you move from a holistic individual approach into now cultivating team success? Well, I do believe, as you know, that a rising tide lifts all boats. So I think as, as individuals are feeling empowered, feeling connected, uh, feeling like they're getting better, they have the support to get better, they're challenged to get better, uh, you're going to get a, a higher performing athlete and that's going to help the team's success. 
Um, but it's also going back to clearly establishing within your culture what those expectations are that, uh, hey, we are going to work with you as an individual to help you be the best you can be uh, and maximize your opportunities within this program. Decisions are going to be based on what we think is best for the team to win the game. And that's why we're all here. So uh, I think it feeds one another. I, I really do. I think they, they blend. And uh, if, if done well, it's, it should be fairly seamless. But, it, but there's, always, <laughs> there's always bumps in the road, uh, no doubt. Sure. Let's shift the focus a little bit from your players to your fellow staff. You know, is there some of that same thing where you need to set some some standards for each other, whether that be simple rules, I guess, of engagement? You know, um, I would assume that comes back around with your staff recognizing their individual talents, needs and other, but then coming up with a similar set of standards, goals, identity. Um, I would assume this is applicable with your staff, correct? Well, it is. And and the bigger your staff gets, the the more room there is for possible. Well, I'll just call it staff politics, right? It's like, hey, we all got our uh, res primary responsibilities, right? So if you have multiple coaches, right, maybe somebody's the responsible for the power play, another one's responsible for the penalty kill. That's a you know a standard uh, divide and conquer uh, scheme. But wait, but like. You know, you, what, what happens if the PK coach has an idea to help the power play and the power play is struggling? You know, how does that conversation go over? You know, is the power play coach receptive or not? Or what happens when two of the assistant coaches have a conversation about something that they think needs to happen to improve the team? And then one of the coaches brings it up to the head coach. You know, it's his idea. Or, or maybe you know, maybe it's controversial and, and they're not quite sure how it's going to be received. So they don't bring it up. Right. So like, these are all, all the, those things that happen on a coaching staff. So for me, like one of the things that, that I absolutely require out of the staff is to speak freely. Like that's number one, like you have to be prepared and speak freely would be like the, the first two. And um, so that, so that we can get over that BS, honestly, because I want to make great decisions and the coaching staff together helps you do that. And if they have information that they're holding back, then, then maybe you're missing something. Yeah. From the holistic perspective, are you comfortable challenging your coaches on let's say health related topics? I guess I haven't considered challenging them on health related topics. I haven't, had to deal with any that I thought were uh, like really uh, negative, but more than anything, I think it's important to create an environment where there's space for guys to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's okay to work out. In fact, I want you to work out. If that means in the middle of the day, you're going to get up and leave the office and go work out, go. If that means you're coming in at 10 instead of eight because you worked out in the morning. Great. Don't care. <laughs> like you have the, the freedom to work out and take care of yourself. Go for it. Right. Um, you know, 
I will also promote the idea of a, take a nap. Like I want you to take a nap, like on game day in particular, you know, like, like these are things that are really important. Uh, don't stay up till two in the morning watching video. Don't do it. Put it down, go to bed and, you know, wake up, wake up at six 30 and do it. If it's that important, you know, and get in an hour or two before you, know, you got to talk to anybody else kind of thing. Yeah. I've been interested more lately in the stress response associated with just life in general, coaching specifically, right? Um, there's been a lot of talk about how can you prepare your body to deal better with stress and not necessarily the mental health side of things, but physically the manifestation of stress, what it does to your body. And this is an area where I feel uh, and I guess I'm taking over here a little bit, but I think coaches can leverage their health a little bit by recognizing the effects of stress. It's okay. It's, it's, it's fine to have a high stress job. Winning and losing defines you, unfortunately, as a coach. And it's one of the few jobs you take in this world, knowing that you're probably going to get fired. You know, it's just kind of the deal. Um, but mental health is a huge platform right now. And, and what's the conversation in your circles around coaching and mental health or, or stress management tactics? Well, I think the conversation that needs to be pushed, I think, in coaching and in education, quite frankly, uh, is we want to have player-centered environments or student-centered environments. But can you have a student-centered environment without a teacher-centered environment? Can you have a player-centered environment without a coach-centered environment? So what are we doing to help our coaches and our educators uh, so that they're, they're, they're given the, the appropriate time to prepare, uh, to, to take care of themselves, so that they can create the environment that's so important for their people, their, their, their students or their, their athletes, right? Uh, I think that that's, it's not being talked about enough administrative levels. They all want a player-centered, student-athlete-centered experience, right? Everything's, we all want this. Okay, terrific. But if you have coaches that aren't being supported or if you, you know, aren't giving the resources to provide that, create that environment, then, then there's, it's not going to work effectively enough. Because what's going to happen is the coach really wants to provide that environment too. So they're going to sacrifice their own wellness to make sure that their athletes are getting it. But then they're going to have a stress coach and uh, Cody Royal had some stats on this when he presented at our Brock Badgers seminar that a stress coach is perceived by their players to be less effective. So you don't want to be perceived as being stressed and scattered or, or angry because your players are going to think you're not competent. The stress response of jumping in an ice bath is similar to how your body would respond to other stress. Is there truth to that? And should coaches be jumping in the ice bath? I mean, in my very humble opinion, that is one of the first things when I get an opportunity to chat with a coach. If time comes up as this major obstacle to personal wellness, then I think we really leverage the stress response as hard as possible. And yes, getting yourself in a cold bathtub intentionally means that you are subjecting yourself to an uncomfortable environment. And the mentality associated with putting yourself in a cold tub versus like falling in cold water is a completely different mindset. You are literally, you know, getting in, in that cold intentionally 
And then you have to fight off the body's response. So here's what we try to educate our, our coaches on is there's going to be a moment where you tell yourself, I don't want to do this. If that's just getting in the tub, all right, you win one time by just getting in there. Then there's going to be a moment where your body says, get me out of here right freaking now. And you fight that off. That's a second win, right? And then maybe that third time where your body's like, hey, we're done with this, you get out. So there's some intent to the cold tub, right? Like decide how many wins you want as you're getting into that environment and chalk that up to personal success, right? I, I actually, I'll, I'll reveal this to you. I'm not a huge fan. I, I don't enjoy the experience, but the winning, getting in there and saying, I don't want to get in, but I get in, I stay for three minutes. I fight off that urge to get out. That's mental resiliency, right? That's, that's putting yourself in a stressful situation and controlling your own physiology. That is your defenseman taking a, a penalty on the power play. You want to lose it, right? You want to probably be that coach that is absolutely chucking sticks on the ice and making a scene, but you know there's nothing good that comes out of that. You learn to fight that off in the cold tub. Honestly, I, I truly believe that. Conversely, a lot more of our high-level coaches have, have access to things like sauna, right? For whatever reason, sauna is a little bit more kind of uh, readily available to, to coaches, maybe, you know, AHL, NHL above. Um, they have access to cold, but, you know, leveraging the heat is okay too for that same kind of reason, right? Like putting yourself into a, an extremely hot environment and setting a timer for 20 to 30 minutes and fighting off that urge to get out is, is also a way to put yourself in an environment that is slightly uncomfortable and, and creating that resiliency to the natural reaction of, I don't want to do this. There's other benefits to it, but, um, you know, kind of, I guess to your question, and, and I led you there with coaching, I think if, if you are trying to improve your, your bottom line, um, improving your ability to handle the natural hormonal response to stress is something that, you know, uh, small pebble makes a thousand ways, right. Or, you know, that type of a concept, it can bleed into other areas. You know, you're less stressed after practice. Now you feel like you have more time to go to the gym. You're less stressed at the end of the day. Maybe you're having better nutritional decisions because you're not feeling like you have to cram food in, um, or sleep health might be a benefit from that also. So, you know, I don't think coaches need to take on every aspect of wellness, but I agree with you. I think we need to start to give them tools and recognize that time is a very valuable commodity to coaches and not try to put so much on their plate personally that they feel like it is having a negative impact on the way they run their show from a, a leadership perspective. It's a, it's a fine balance in there. A lot of executives of companies have this same con kind of problem that you might have as a head coach, TJ, is like, you are responsible for a lot of people's well-being, right? And it's a lot easier to sacrifice your own and deliver that to your, you know, your subordinates or, or your coworkers for that matter. So uh, small doses can go a really, really long way in this atmosphere. And I do think cold is one of those small dose things that can certainly help a lot. Does a hard, vigorous workout accomplish the same thing? Uh uh, it, it has similar, yeah, it, it can kind of do that. Um, you know, the kind of the main difference there would be the lasting effect 
of a hard workout, you know, that, that potential soreness, if you will, which, you know, guys like us probably lean into that a little bit. It's okay. I'm, I'm fine to walk around with some sore legs. And some people might look at that as like, I don't feel my best today. You know what I mean? Like I'm sore, I'm distracted by the pain or whatever. And that might be a person who needs a, a smaller dose. But I think that's where individually, just like our, our whole conversation today, when we are looking at an individual, we have to leverage what they can find success in where, where their mind relaxes. One of my favorite um, experiences in, in my career when I was in the American League, our radio guy was, he did everything. I mean, uh, short of sharpening skates, I swear this guy could probably do anything within the organization. And the amount of phone calls he took on the treadmill was impressive. You know, like he was unwavering in his commitment to the minutes he spent on the treadmill. Now, I'm sure he would have much rather watched uh, the NHL highlights versus taking a phone call, but again, unwavering on his commitment to that time. I have worked with other coaches who, when they left their playing career, decided that they wanted to keep some degree of physical commitment and do the same thing, right? Like even if it's a short 20, 30 minutes, like they're unwavering on that commitment to that time. Like you said, finish practice, do a little you know, post-practice breakdown and then assistant coach is up and he's in the weight room, you know, and he's, he's committed to that time. And then he's productive after, you know, I think everyone has their button that they can press, but I do think, you know, whether it's commitment to an hour, 30 minutes, whatever you can spare, what you put into that, you should get back, whether that's cold tub exercise or other, it doesn't have to be the same for everyone. Um, but certainly I would see it as a very valuable and almost an essential tool to coaching excellence. Well, I think too, when you're modeling that behavior, it goes back to a recent conversation we had about observational learning. Like there's gotta be some real positive benefit to having your athletes be the coaches taking care of themselves, whether that be working out, jumping in the ice bath, whatever it, it may be. I mean, we, we need to, you can't, you can't be preaching a certain lifestyle for your players and live the exact opposite lifestyle yourself. Like they're not expecting you to get on the ice and win a race, but, but we're coaches. You got it. You got to take care of yourself. Period. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've noticed in our time together uh, and you can speak to it, but I've noticed you seem to have committed more to your wellness, whether that be walking outside in your neighborhood, spending time with your kids in the woods, you know, like that seems to be your place, right? Nature gives you what you need and being out there walking, moving your body. I would assume that's a pretty good return on your time investment. Well, well, there's the fitness component. There's the spiritual component, which we touched on. Uh, there's also when you, you, you get away from uh, the, your laptop and your phone or whatever. And like, that's when the breakthroughs happen. That's when the, those, those light bulb moments happen. It's like when you're out on a walk or you're, you know, with your kids or you're out for a paddleboard or, or whatever, right? Like that's, that's when, that's when things seem to just consolidate in your brain. You let your, you let your mind do its thing and, you know, you're consolidating all these different thoughts you've had bouncing around your head and all of a sudden they're connected and you're like, whoa, didn't, I got it. Right. And if you don't take a step away, you might be missing those, those light bulb moments. Agreed. And I think that's uh, something that 
you know, as much as we're creating a team atmosphere, if the coach, him or herself can't hold it together, it's all going to crumble eventually. It can't keep, you know, the ship won't keep going in the right direction. If, if that, that leadership at the top doesn't have the endurance to sustain the grind of a season or, or of a, a championship run, right? Like I, I find that in hockey to be such a, an interesting thing is that the better you are, the harder you have to grind, right? I mean, the season wears on. I mean, look at the NHL, right? It's like those guys are warriors and that requires endurance from multiple levels, mental, physical, stress resilience it's just a it's a holistic package like you talked about and you know astutely put we provide that at any cost to our players in our organization and look at that beautiful rink that you guys just are putting together up there right we will do it all for our players but there seems to be still a gap in that there is an eye in team when we're talking about our coaching staff as well and maximizing the talents of, I would hate to say, but our key employees, right? I mean, those are those are the employees that carry on this legacy from year to year. Yes, that needs to be woven into the fabric of your culture, but it is the coaching staff that carries that torch year after year, uh, unrelenting in some cases. So I, I do think it's it's a topic worth exploring more. Absolutely. Well, thanks for bringing it up and, and diving into this one, uh, G. It was great. Yeah, thanks for, for opening it up. I, again, I, I was kind of laughing. I, I know you're not a contrarian, but that one stood out to me. I was like, TJ's getting some clickbait here. <laughs> <laughs> click it. Click the link. Click the link. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's good. Good chat, man. Always appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Coaching Project Podcast. For more information on how you can maximize player development and team performance, join Gary and I in the Coaching Project newsletter. And just remember, coaches need coaches too. Every month, join us on our journey towards coaching mastery in the Keep Getting Better section of the newsletter.